as you start to develop that base a little bit, you kind of start thinking about ways you can progress the company and taking cash. Not all cash is created equal, you know? And so I started sitting back and recognizing like, there's a, there's a, there's some dream customers I'm loving working with. There's some others that I just, I really don't. The internet has made it easier than ever to start a business. Succeeding on the internet, now that's another story. The big question is, what are those who are succeeding doing differently? This podcast has the answers. Hi, my name is Lisanne Murphy. I've spent the last three years running a successful advertising agency. I noticed with certain clients, I ran into the same problem over and over again. Their offering was just not grabbing the prospect's heart and wrestling them into purchasing submission. Why? Many of these business owners were so far down the road in their journey and so in love with their product, they forgot who they were serving, missing some essential steps along the way. So I'm pivoting focus. Join me as I go behind the scenes with the most brilliant entrepreneur minds to demystify the nitty gritty marketing hacks needed to be successful before spending thousands on advertising that ultimately separate the internet legends from the dreamers. Last time on the Marketing Matrix podcast, we dove deep with my good friend Travis Brown on his podcasting expertise and his ownership of the brand Poddex. It was seriously such a fun interview and it was, he, he was a genius guys. So if you missed it, go back and listen. But as for today, you are in for another treat as I interview the man himself, Steve Larson. He is one of my good friends and mentors. He is a marketing genius. Oh, I'm so excited, guys. So grab your notepad and pen and paper and make sure to take notes as Steve drops some major value for you. Welcome to the Marketing Matrix podcast. I'm your host, Lisanne Murphy, and today I am joined by none other, the capitalist pig himself, Mr. Steve Larson. Steve, thank you so much for coming on the show with me today. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oink. (laughs) Boy, <laughs> that's right. Everyone who has been to, I, I was at that offer lab when, uh, when Dana Derrickson started the oink and it just like went wild and it just hasn't stopped. So we it's are so stuck. excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really stuck. has. It has. <laughs> it's so funny how, how those things happen. I remember Steve and I were actually just talking about how a year ago we were actually walking on a beach in Labadee, Haiti. And, uh, we were talking about how to, uh, pick things that are, like socially grading in order to create a movement. And, and that, that oink is just kind of another example of how you've latched onto capitalism and it's really driven so much of your movement and your product creation and, and the direction you've gone with your audience. So it's been, it's been fun to watch it for. Yeah. That's a, that, that two comical cruise was uh, I can't believe that was a year ago. Actually, until you brought that up at the beginning of this, I have no, that's, that's not, what a crazy year. I've been waiting for 2021 to be able to say the phrase hindsight 2020 since like June. <laughs> Stupid joke, holding on to it forever. You're the first one that's graced with. Yes, I am so grateful. <laughs> How lucky are we? I love that. Well, guys, for those of you, I mean, every, I think everyone that listens to this podcast is, is pretty steeped into the ClickFunnels community. So they know who you are. Uh, but I just wanted to give you just a personal introduction. If there's anyone that doesn't know who you are yet, because guys, you want to know who Steve Larson is. Uh, and I've had the pleasure and opportunity to listen to you tell your story a number of times. So for these, for those of you that don't know, Steve Larson has always had big dreams, but he had he was always looking for windows to find ways 
to walk through those dreams. He went, he, he, I love his very first story of how he went to ClickFunnels and like rode his bike there and like basically like bartered his way into the event and then <laughs> like managed to land a head uh, funnel builder spot because he, after he proved himself to work with Russell Brunson, uh, but he, that itch, he, he knew he needed a good mentor, but he still had the itch to make his own mark in the world. And so after a couple of years, he went out, started his own business. And within a year, right, you hit your first two comma club award, which means you get a million dollars in, in a funnel or, or a system of funnels. And it's just been a perpetual cycle of increased opportunity as you get smarter and smarter and you learn about your market. And so it has been so fun to, to be a part of your journey and uh, to, <laughs> I put my own dollars out there to help you get to that two comma club and it's been worth every penny. So Steve, thank you so much for coming and for being an example of, of a self-made entrepreneur and someone that can, that has proven that online business works, especially in industries that uh, people didn't think would do well online, like multi-level marketing. That's been a huge yeah for you as well. So Steve, again, thank you so much. Welcome to the show. And, and we're excited to dive in with you and, and just pick your brain. I'm excited for this. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great. Awesome. Okay. And uh, all right. So I wanted to ask you a few questions. I've been, I've been thinking about these. I actually was, I woke up in the middle of the night last night with all these questions that like went off in my brain that I wanted to ask. Oh, you. I love that. <laughs> it's the best. So I'm really excited to just, just hammer through these and, 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 and get your, get your opinion. My first is we're gonna we're gonna start with a with a with a softball here, okay? So my first is, uh, what is the biggest mistake that you see business owners make when it comes to their marketing? You work with a lot of business owners. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, immediately, uh, what just shot in my head was um, people don't think they don't do a lot of strategic design around who they actually want to work with. It all comes back to the who, you know, the person that they want to work with, and. I'll tell you that in my own company, I don't know why, but it seems like every six months there's this natural refreshing of my dream customer. And I don't start it. It just, for some reason, calls on itself somehow for me to go back and go through it. And we're actually doing that right now. And it's, uh, we just shut down like 46 funnels. Um, and uh, because my who wouldn't like them. And that's the only reason it's not that they weren't working or not successful. It seems radical, but the more I've seen that that's the pattern, like really understanding the dream customer. And then just as simple as it sounds, designing the products and the value ladder for them, that's been the key. And so, um, but it's also the biggest mistake that I think most people will make. Um, because I think what happens is, and it's totally completely, I get it. I get it. When you're starting out, you just want something to work. And so you'll kind of take it from anyone, you know, take the cash, take from <laughs> like something, please work for me. I need to have this. Uh, but, you know, as you as you start to develop that base a little bit, you kind of start thinking about ways you can um, progress the company and um, taking cash. Not all cash is created equal, you know, and so I started sitting back and recognizing like, there's this is a, this is some dream customers I'm loving working with. There's some others that I just, I really don't. And I actually don't think that I can help them as well as that can't, that company can over there. And, and so I started having, you know, and companies will go through this. And um, now I, I have a hard time calling myself a company and I'm, I'm not trying to go on a side rant here with this, but like, because a company is a series of systems around a product that creates a lead and fulfills on it. All right. Like, but I'm more like a, 
<laughs> I'm more like a pioneer who's trying to like find principles and teach them. And so that's the only reason why I can build all this stuff up and shut it down the next day. It's like, shut it down, build it up and shut it down. That's not traditional business. <laughs> that's a dude trying to figure out some cool patterns and go teach them. Um, uh, so I have a hard time when people will try to follow me because I'm purposefully doing what I'm doing, but I don't think people should follow me in doing what I'm doing on some of these. I'm trying to, I'm trying to basically pull back patterns. And so I think that the, the biggest problem that people run into is that they don't know who their dream customer is. And then parallel to that, as they're saying, is they follow someone who is not where they want to be. And they follow people who are, um, frankly, not further down the exact same path. I'd say those two right there. Mm. I, I love that. So let's dig into that just a little bit. So starting with, starting with the first one, if they don't know who they want to serve, do you think that comes from a uh, a lack of experience of having poor experiences with people that they are like, yes, I do not want to serve them. Or do they not do enough due diligence in the beginning? Or maybe they don't know what questions to ask. Like, where, where does, where does that come from? I think it comes from both sides, you know, cause I do my best to like, I, I've often said, you know, um, there's some things in this life you can design. There's others you have to discover. Finding who you actually want to sell is not as simple as just writing down what it is on a piece of paper I've never really found an entrepreneur who stays entrepreneurial stick with the same dream customer. And it's kind of like we, you know, we kind of graduate to different areas and places that we want to go and we're finding where we want to go and shift to. And that's very normal. And I want anyone who's listening or watching now to this to hear that. Like it's very normal to shut stuff down and be like, you know, I don't actually know that I want to work with this customer. And you shut it down all and you go move. That's highly entrepreneurial to go do. Um, but so some of it you can just write down and other things you have to go discover and finding the dream customer is a combo of the two. You hit it from both sides. Most people don't make any thought at all on who they actually want to sell to. <laughs> and so the only way they go discover is through frankly, dragging their feet through a bunch of people. They realize only while they're selling them. Oh my gosh, I don't want to be selling these kinds of people. Oh, and so the, the, you, be, you can protect yourself by going the other direction as well. I feel like it was a long way to answer that. No, no, I think it's it's perfect and and it's important. I myself being on my own entrepreneurial journey, I've I've recognized that where like there's some things you can learn by watching others, but then there are other things that like you just you just have to just gotta dive get, in. Yeah, you really <laughs> do. You really, yeah. really do. Okay, so and then in terms of the mentors, tell me more about that. Like, have have you yourself followed someone where you're like, that's actually not what I'm going for, or yes. or, or like based on what they put in the media, it wasn't totally clear what the hard work was behind the scenes. And then you got there and you were like, oh crap, like that's, that's not it either. Like, how has that worked for you? Uh, that's happened to me a couple of times, but I'm very slow to blame someone. For example, I paid someone 2019, I paid out 150 grand in personal coaches. I had so many coaches all the, because I realized that coaches are faster than books. They're just faster than books. It's, I have a lot of books I have, <laughs> and wow. that's not all of them. I have so many books and it, this is my home office. It's they're oozing everywhere. I love books, but there's still a slower form of information than, especially compared to a mentor. And so when I recognized that I was like, I need to go and I need to start. What's the faster form of digestion for the exact same principle that I would, you know, so I, I, a few of my buddies who are extremely smart people, I would just be like, Hey, what would it take for you? And I'd Vox them. I've literally sent this a few times. In fact, I'm about to do my next one with them. 
um, in like a month. And we just, I stole the term, it's called the CEO swap. It's not my term, but I don't know enough to know what to ask them to teach me. But I know they know stuff <laughs> that, they, that they think is cool. For example, I do this with Brad Gibb. And so he and I are gonna go do this again. I said, dude, you have three degrees. You have worked for some of the top people in this entire planet. You sat with Mark Ford while he's smoking an actual Cuban cigar and he's talking about his assets and stuff. Like that's the most quintessential crap on the planet. And you have gone through the most ridiculous amount of education in the financial world that I've ever seen anyone go through. I don't even know what to ask you. Just teach me what you think is cool. What in your whole career has made it through the Brad filter? And here's the top 10 highlights. And so he, but he does the same thing to me. And so we'll go stand together and he'll just be like, what do you think is blowing your mind and has made it through the Steve filter? And I'm like, Bleh! and I'll go for half a day. And then no joke, we have a timer and we'll switch. And then he goes, <laughs> and that's it. And so so I have a hard time when, when someone says like, I don't know, um, first of all, be careful who you learn from. If they're not rich, don't ask them about money. If they're not fit, question everything they have to do about fitness. All right, seriously, you'd be that information is exploding all over the place. I think we're gonna have to learn more and more how to do moving forward is how to not consume, right? And I think that's already a necessary skill set. And so I'm very very critical of um, people giving me advice. And it's not to a negative sense, it is actually to protect my psyche and, and the mansions I've built inside, right? The eye, I'm not trying to get too crazy on you here, all right? But I believe that the eyes are a two-way window, all right? Uh, there's a really cool documentary with Bill Gates on, uh, you know, it's a decoding Bill Gates' mind. And he's oh, like- that documentary blew my brains everywhere. It's so true it though. And I, that's actually what I do is he's like, he, he can close his eyes and see his frameworks. Me too. And that's when I realized, oh my gosh, the wind, the eyes are a two-way window. They're not one way. And so what I close my mind, so that's why I've learned how to meditate so much. And that's why I've done so much into these things. I'm not trying to go on a side rant with it, but, but it's been really fascinating to try and build tapestries in the brain um, that allow you to go and, uh, frankly, move faster when your eyes are open. Um, mm. And so that being said, I'm very careful on information I let come in. If the person is not filthy, ridiculous rich, I do not listen to them about money. I was at the Chase Bank and they were like, you have more money in your account than most people do in there as a retiree account. And I was like, well, I'm a marketer. They're like, have you ever thought about doing a 401k? And I was like, are you rich and would you buy it? <laughs> I'm not joking. And they're like, no. And I was like, no offense. I'm not gonna take your financial advice. And <laughs> just walk away and like, that's just that, but you have to approach marketing and mentorship that way as well. Um, just cause they have a program doesn't mean that they themselves are super good. There's certainly been one or two times I've bought from somebody where I'm like, you're not exactly what I thought you were going to be afterward. But there was, there was one guy I bought from, this is where this whole thing went from. I'm so sorry. I'm totally on a side range. No, this is perfect. But Don't like, apologize. We're going to go where your brain goes. It sounds good. <laughs> I paid this dude 30 grand to teach me how to do a very specific outcome. I didn't log in for the year. I had friend stupid. Yes. And I was learning a steep lesson in getting too many mentors and it sucked. Okay. But I had a few friends who were like, you didn't get the outcome. Go get your money back. 
are you kidding? And I was like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Extreme ownership. That is on me. That's not a him just because I didn't log in and actually apply with full intent what I paid him to do. That's, that's his money. It's my job to get the outcome, not even his. And, uh, and I feel like that's, that's the mistake that is a lot. <laughs> Funnel land is amazing. And I love click funnels. I always will. I'm the original diehard baby, right? Like this. Oh man, I love that shirt. <laughs> that was created literally after me, but like it also attracts a lot of brand new entrepreneurs who have never been in business ever, who are honestly are trying to grow their own brain as fast as they are their wallet. And they don't often know that those two journeys are happening in parallel. And you're learning funnel land and you're learning offers and you're learning how to get attention, but you're also learning the self-management that comes with those things. And can I learn to trust self? And do I have self-love? And can I, right? And those are happening in tandem, whether or not someone wants it to. Um, and so understanding you're on that path, that's a big, big deal to go through. So I'm very careful and I'm, I'm circling back again here. I'm trying to, let me find a tie-in. <laughs> that, that the big mistakes entrepreneurs make at the beginning, they don't know who they sell or serve. They're not following somebody. Or if they are, they're following people who are frankly very unqualified. Um, or they put all, well, you didn't give me the, the thing that you promised. It's like extreme ownership no one cares about your success more than you will. And it's a mistake to ask people to try. Hmm. I love that. I, and I completely agree. I, I, I'm going through um, a similar experience right now. I, so just in the last month, I've hired a director of operations for, for my business. Good, cool. And it's been so amazing, but really hard because it's like, it's this it's this uh, push and pull of letting go of control so that like someone else can run the systems for you so that you can be the more strategy brain in your business. But at the same time, as you're losing that control, you're just like, wait, 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 what's going on? Mm -hmm. And, and, and I've, I've even struggled with like, like she, like my, my director of operations came to me just last week and she was like, listen, just because you hired me does not mean that you need permission from me to do things. Like this is still your business. You know, and I realized that like, I, I kind of gave up a little bit of, I stepped away from that ownership a little bit and yeah. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. Just because I hired someone to help me doesn't mean that like now I, you know, that they have to give me permission to move forward and do things. And, yeah. and I, I totally, I love that commentary on like, we're growing ourselves as well as, as well as our business and our wallets and always it's, yeah. it's a direct correlation. It is very much. So I love that. I love that so much. I appreciate you bringing that up. Mm -hmm. Okay. That was a total rant, but hopefully it's helpful. <laughs> oh, it was an amazing rant. It was, I, I love it. Keep ranting my friend. <laughs> okay. So let's, I, I want to, so this, this next question actually ties into something you mentioned. You said that you killed 46 funnels. Was it, is that the number you said? Something like that is a lot. Something like know. that. A, a lot of funnels. So, and I actually, I saw that, I saw that, um, that offer that you did where you were like, Hey, we're getting rid of all of this. Like if you want like last minute access, you can go ahead and, and get that. So you mentioned briefly just a second ago that it's because you're tailoring and tweaking and narrowing in on your dream customer. And that's why you're killing things. Can you speak into that? Like, why did you kill those funnels? How did you pick those funnels? Like, was it hard or was it like no brain or easy? Like, I would love, love for you to dive into that decision. Yeah, it's not an easy decision. Um, um, <clears throat> I've had some amazing people work for me. And uh, some people that have worked for me learned about funnels through me. 
Um, and uh, then they grow up and they leave, you know, and that's great. And, and I expect that. Um, it's very natural progression of things. And so um, one of them <laughs> made a comment on the way out. They're like, dude, you work way too hard for your money. And I said, I know. He said, you work, no, no, you work way too hard. And I said, I know. Said, Why do you do it? I said, well, I'm not actually trying to just sell products. Like, yes, of course. Like what I've been trying to unveil and what this has been all about for me for the last three years is being able to write the equivalent of expert secrets. I want to write a book that is, um, enters the marketing lexicon. And so that's really what this has been about. And so for the, and this is a cognitive attempt of mine. This is not like it's been, oh, but this is a good book. Three years ago, I was like, if I'm going to go do this, it will be so that I can add a book to the marketing lexicon. And so, um, so all along, what I've been trying to do is build out these frameworks and trying to pull patterns. And that's part of my gift. I do believe it's one of the reasons I was, I'm, you know, I'm alive. And so um, is to find patterns, prove whether or not they're right or wrong, and then teach them so that it speeds up the timeline for others. And so there's been this weird thing that's happened because of that. Part of it is I am pulling the pattern out the framework and trying to disprove it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a real framework. Let's go teach it and make it into an offer and a product and bam, here we go. But then there's this other thing that's also been happening where I've been testing a second framework about launching. It's why I do offers and launching. It's actually because of this. It's because I've been trying to find deeper patterns for sexy things that sell on the internet and a deeper pattern for very attractive ways to launch things on the internet. It's all about the internet. I don't really do stuff brick and mortar, but um, it's interesting though, between those two, I've been proving them out while I do them. <laughs> and it's been one of the reasons why there's so many funnels. So it's not just like, he's launching another thing, another thing. I'm like, no, let's see if this actually gets received the right way, bam, no. And let's see if this gets received the right way. Oh, this worked up until step three. I don't think I can trust step four through six anymore or even seven just because it stopped at number four. And so there's been a framework that I've been proving out over the last few years and, um, and trying to tweak it and refine it, refine it, refine it. That's really what's been going on. And so we're finally at a spot. I, we, I, I'm finally at a spot where I feel like I can sit back and say, you know what? That's the valley ladder. And that's it. And anything else that isn't on there doesn't either produce the dream customer for the things at the top or pulls in a mentality that I'm not really willing to work with because I'm not a life coach. And if they can't hold their own, <laughs> I got nothing for them. They should buck up. <laughs> so that's kind of been, uh, that's honestly been it is, is I use my own framework on my own business. Um, and it's the reason I know that it works um, and works very well. And those who choose to do it, they tend to do quite well as well also. But um, there's a, uh, three three major frameworks that i've been working through and when one is very much offers the other is launching the other is a lot of personal growth and development stuff and mm. they all happen or none of it happens <laughs> that's amazing i i love that well i love how it's uh well one of the things that i really identify with when you say that is as as i've grown in my journey what i've noticed so uh let's see i have many many thoughts let me pull them together here for just a second um, uh so 
I, one of, one of my beefs with the, with the marketing gurus is that the gurus are pitching their last tactic that made them a crap ton of money under certain circumstances, but are pitching it to other people at a different place in their journey with different businesses. Yeah. And it leads people to like get obsessed with like one tactic that isn't based in a framework yeah. and they just like lose their shorts over it. And it, I, I'm much like you where it's like, where's the principle? Where's the principle? Yeah. 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 And so Trump's I love tactic. Yes, exactly. And so I really, really admire that. Like, and that's, that is, that's deep, hard philosophical work to understand like what is the underlying <laughs> principle that is unchangeable regardless of the tactic that drives the tactic to work. So I'll tell you just like where it comes, like um, I, so I did offer mind the event twice and it was to help pull out, you know, um, books much like products are for certain people. And I wanted to offer mind and offer creation tactics to be more for the masses. So I need the languaging to be broader appeal that's much broader appeal than the event I just did called Offer Launch, which is all about offer, you know, launching and campaign strategy and getting noise and how it sells on the internet, which is a totally different skill set. But being cognizant of the fact that it's like my offer formula that I've been working through before I left ClickFunnels. And I test it by selling. I'm like, I'm not going to be theory here. Let's, if it actually exchanges dollars, you know, I'm going to take that as a sign. Is it making money uh, as a sign of it working? The launch campaigns though, that was not as much thought through. It's something that I just kind of realized, oh my gosh, I'm really good at this. And we are in an info product business, which means it's one-off sales. And since it's one-off sales, there's no recurring revenue. So by virtue oh my gosh, I had to get good at launching. And so that's why we're so good at launching. So it's the second skill set that we kind of, you know, that kind of picked up. And so my last event was about me trying to do exactly what you just said, decode and pull up from 46 funnel launches since I left ClickFunnels. 46, those are just the ones we can remember. And pull out the deeper underlying principles and framework from what does it mean to launch something on the internet and not just Jeff Walker's book launch, because that's a method, not the law. I need the, I need the underlying principle. And Russell and I geek out about this type of art a lot because it's hard. <laughs> it's super hard. We, I have so many books on this stuff and my, what I'm trying to do, and I'll tell you, but I didn't know you're going to get me worked up on frameworks, but like, this is a big topic. I actually geek out with Russell about this a lot because what he and I really tried to do is, and I've told him this just to his face of like, dude, I don't want you to be the only voice of marketing and funnel education for the funnel end. I'm going to try to be also. And so that's why we have these pieces of paper, I mean, strewn all over the floors all over the time and trying to walk in our art and find the frameworks and the patterns. And can we prove that that's law? Because if so, it's the equivalent of proving, oh my gosh, when we do this, a tire tends to work. You know what I mean? And so that's what we're trying to create for the internet and create for the internet marketer. And um, that's super fun. But I also, that's why I was trying to say at the beginning of this, like, don't follow me if that's what you're, if you're trying to have like the sustainable thing that you can always depend on, I like being in the weeds, building it up and burning it down because it didn't work. But people are like, wait, yes, it was, it was making money. Like, ah, but it, 
it only worked in this one scenario in this one place of business and this one thing, just like you were saying, so it can't be a law for everyone, burn it. Let's start over again. And that that's really what I'm doing. Mm. So I, that's the reason we shut down all that stuff is, is because of um, my who changed. I love that. I love it. Oh man, this is so exciting. This is so great. Okay. A lot of rants there, sorry, but just so many, my head's all over the place too right now. No, it's fantastic. Digesting a lot of thoughts when I'm home right now. I love it. Well, this is exact. Well, luckily it's recorded, Steve. So if you want to go back and listen to yourself, (laughs) (laughs) sweet. but, uh, oh man, this is so great. And it actually leads perfect into the next thing that I wanted to pick your brain about. So on, I've loved your, uh, you know, the, the marriage between offers and uh, offers and launches. And, um, as, you know, I, so if you, if you don't remember, that's great, but I run a Facebook advertising agency and educational platform. And whenever I'm doing evergreen type campaigns, I mean, and they're not really campaigns based on like how, how we're defining campaign, but an an evergreen promotion, if you will, the return on ad spend is always significantly lower than a launch. Like when I work with my clients and we do a launch, I mean, the return on ad spend is like 15, 20, 25, 30, 45, 50. I mean, it's just like yeah. the, the amount of revenue so coming in compared to the ad spend is just crazy compared to an evergreen where it's like, you know, two, three, four is a good return on ad spend, right? Yeah. So my question for you, like as with your, uh, process of building things up and burning them down and building up and burning them down. Do you have anything that's evergreen in your business or is <laughs> everything like a launch? For the first time ever, three months ago, we got our first evergreen thing. It's crazy. And it's only because of the way we started collecting the cash on it. That's the only, it's not actually evergreen. Um, I have very little evergreen stuff and it is one of the reasons why I'll get a little testy when someone's like, Oh, you know what you're talking about. You're not doing like, if I didn't, we wouldn't be a company <laughs> because we have to launch a lot. Um, now I'll tell you, I'm, I'm tired of the model. I found the lessons I learned them and it's exhausting and most people couldn't do it. And it's not a pat on my back. It's just the reality. It's just, it's a very exhausting way to go learn stuff. But you also see stuff really deep and you see farther and further and more, more breadth than most people can. And I, uh, I consider myself an idea pioneer and set aside time often in my life to play with that idea. And, yeah. um, and so Evergreen Cash, yeah, I have like ClickFunnels affiliate stuff. <laughs> um, I've got a little bit of Offer Lab stuff but, but that's really it. That's really it. And so, um, we also started noticing that I have so many funnels out there that people didn't even know what they could buy from me because there's too much. And we were creating analysis paralysis, which was part of the other reason why we shut us so much down. Um, so like we have core products like this one, that one, or that one, like, Oh, but what about <laughs> like, okay, yeah, get rid of all those things. I was okay. Sorry about that. You're right. My bad. Go back to the core frameworks. There they are. Yeah. So yeah, very little, that. but we're transitioning to that. That's been one of the things that we're doing right now. So, and is that, um, is, is that by like design for just like the financial health of the business? Or is it like we have, we've learned enough about launches now that like we're figuring out like an evergreen framework that, that is lasting or like what, but with, with, am, with your in the weeds brain, how are you looking at that? Yeah. So it's a great question. So, um, 
evergreening is far more of a CMO and CEO function than a marketing function. Mm. Um, I am, I hate being a CEO. <laughs> I hate it so much. I can't stand being a CEO. I like being a marketer. I, um, uh, and, and marketing, right? The whole function of marketing is to create noise and campaigns and whether or not it's a launch or a relaunch or just noise. Marketing is noise and uh, good noise, but, or bad, you'll get sales too, <laughs> but noise. Uh, but when you go and you start evergreening something, that means you're creating systems and systems is a function of being a CEO. You tweak and build and, and create systems as a CEO. Um, and so my, my, my dive in has not really been about being a CEO. And because of that, I'm not really the guy to ask about evergreening. I got a few strategies I run that create ever. It basically forces the info product model into an evergreen model because of how I treat it. But, um, uh, and it's, it's a few activities that I do that I just know just bring in sales and I can pretty much measure off of it. Um, but that's me bending the info product model to make it into it an evergreen. But, um, so you can make a lot of money with the info product model, but after a while, it's, it's pretty hard to evergreen. The other way to evergreen it though, is with the phone model, which is why we're building a phone center. And that's one of the reasons I built an office actually is to have at least 10 salespeople in the center. They're always selling my stuff. That's another way to great uh, sustainability. But it's a great question though. I do feel like I have learned at least the introduction deep framework to launching. Um, I think I need another once over on it. And it, I call it the bat cave. I disappear for about a month and um, it, it just looks weird on the outside. <laughs> There's papers everywhere. I am I'm, I'm far, far, far into just crazy stuff on my whiteboard. It looks like a beautiful mind. I don't even know if we're here right now. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but it's kind of deep though. And it goes really, really it goes far. And um, um, I did that. It took me three weeks to put just the frameworks together for the first time ever for offer mind. Then the second offer mind was another three to four weeks in deletion, not addition, to make it more clean and digestible. And that was harder work than actually the creation. I didn't expect that. And Russell reaffirmed that to me. And he goes, Oh, yeah, should have warned you. In fact, Ryan Holiday writes 500,000 words for every one of his books and then starts to delete. And that's how he creates his books. And I was like, Makes sense. Try to make a, a masterpiece. It's just a lot of work. But uh, yeah, I don't know if I answered your question with that. No, so I it's the it. combo of all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So here, here's my other question on campaigns. So as I, I've tried, I was really, for lack of a better word, like moved when you talked about campaigns at OfferMind because it really, you know, being a Facebook marketer, like the Facebook ad at the campaign editor has ruined the word campaign. Yeah. And so like, you kind of like resurrected that in me and, and was like, that is not a campaign just because you flip a switch, you know, <laughs> so I'm thinking about my whole business very, very differently in 2021 in terms of launches and like actual campaigns. One of the things that I get stuck in that I would love for you to speak into is my mind goes off on like, everything that needs to be involved. Like I have a Facebook group. I've got a list. Sure. I have a press tour where like I can go into my friend's Facebook groups and podcasts and like, and talk about it and, and, and get it in front of their audiences. I can do ads. I can do 
you know, urgency and scarcity and, and get deadline funnel in there. I can send out mailers. I mean, it just, your mind just goes like, and it just gets like huge in terms of like the amount of, like you say, noise yeah. that you can create around an offer. Um, so my question is like, with all of your launches, like, do you always just like go out guns blazing or like, is there, is it possible to have like a more uh, defined, not so like fusionistic launch that just like gets out of control? Cause every time I like go to launch something, I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's too hard. It's too much. It's too busy. Like, so I would love for you to speak into that. Like, is that just the nature of launches or what <laughs> I am I missing it. here? I had a very, actually, Everyone who is listening or listening to this is, um, you, you all know their names, they're very famous. They were a client of mine. <laughs> and one of the things that they said to me was, was uh, now doing this with you, Steve, we just don't want this to be a crazy up at 3 a.m. kind of style launch thing that we see you guys doing a lot. And I was like, let me clarify, I am very protective of my sleep. I sleep seven hours a night because I spent way too many years damaging my brain by not. But yes, we go hard and we go fast and we go loud. <laughs> um, I had a teacher in college and they, they almost didn't hire me because of that. And I was like, we can still do it like a month in advance. So it's not this crazy. Let's do it in two days. We didn't start building the funnel for expert secrets until two days before. It was stupid. Like, don't do that. Like, <laughs> But uh, I keep looking for my copies. I know they're around here somewhere. They're never on my shelves because I'm using them. Um, anyway, uh, I had a teacher in college though um, tell me we were, the scenario was we were um, doing this food business. I don't like cooking. Um, and uh, he was like, they voted me as the CEO of this thing as a student run business for a semester. Was this and, the empanada? Uh, the empanada? That was it. Yeah, the empanada thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget so many. Yeah. Um, I forget which stories I've told to who and when. And <laughs> but basically he was like, I went to him and I said, hey, we're doing really well in our sales. We're selling to frankly broke college students. And we're making two or three grand a week, like not bad, you know, it's super cool. And uh, it was our first time doing it. So really not bad. And then I was like, I don't know. I just feel like I, I saw the first little dip in our sales this last week. And I went through advice for him. Or I, sorry, I went to go ask him for some advice on how to go go to the next level without annoying the market. And that's what I asked him. And he's basically just smiled at me and said, he said, the moment you start getting annoyed of yourself is the moment they are barely beating to realize you're there. That he's the one that I came from. His name is um, Drew Eager. And uh, he, that was very impactful for me. And he's so right on a launch. Basically, you're trying to be as unapologetic, loud, and abrasive as possible. You're trying to create a tidal wave, not a wake, you know, and uh, that might mean that you lose some people in your followership, and that's okay. Um, I get 50 to 100 people organically joining at my list a day, and I get 10 to 20 leaving every day, and that's just how it works, and I'd rather that my messaging and what I stand for and capitalism and self-growth and God and country and gunpowder <laughs> be, be so strong and unapologetic that they opt themselves out instead of me cleaning up my list. Um, and that's been a, a great way to do it. But yeah, the answer is I, I try to go as loud as possible. I'm trying to be annoying. Mm, yeah, my go, sorry, go ahead. If you're, it's better than not being heard. <laughs> yeah. I, the last, the, the last corporation that I worked for I actually worked in marketing for Deseret Book. 
and cool. we had a, I was a part of the a marketing team that like brought each department together to market like their the signature Christmas product which um was cool. it was it was a product called the little lamb I don't know if you ever like saw it out there cool. but yeah. anyway the name of our uh group uh, our conglomerate of people from different departments we called ourselves the get sick club and the reason why we did is because it was that principle. He said, if you are not sick of the little lamb by the time Christmas happens, then you haven't done your job even, even a fraction of enough. And so we were- So you know, true. <laughs> we we so had true. like made like get sick t-shirts and stuff like that. We were like, you know, puking the little lamb pretty much like by, by the time <laughs> Christmas came. And That's awesome. I um, love that so much. So. I am so tired of the potato gun story. I just never want to hear that story again in my life. And Russell doesn't want to tell it. <laughs> it got to the point where, because I got there right at the hockey stick growth of ClickFunnels. You know, there just, there wasn't, there was like 30 employees and, you know, like 12,000 users of the platform. And there was, you know, and then when I left, there was like 100,000 users and 400 employees or something like that. So it was right at the hockey stick thing. So he would be on these interviews and he'd be just always telling the potato gun story all the time, all the time. And it got to this point where I remember it's about a year and a half in. It was just like this, almost like this face of defeat. <laughs> and he would he would look over at me and just be like, "Well, I'm gonna start this interview now." And I would just be looking at him across the room and be like, <laughs> and I just grab my headphones and be like, "Okay." No offense, dude. <laughs> and he'd be like, I get it. <laughs> and then he'd go click record. And it was it's because of that very same principle. It's like, well, it's the story that sells click funnels. You're gonna get sick of your message way before the market will even barely know you're there. And it could be um, you know, if you misinterpret that as a marketer, you might think that you're have your something's wrong with your message. It's like actually no, it's working. You just got to disassociate because it's gonna get annoying. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, it's funny you say that because. I was, it was actually at um, Funnel Hacking Live just this past year, you know, like I've, I've drank the ClickFunnels Kool-Aid, you know, deeply. And, Drink it now. <laughs> and um, I, you know, he, hearing, there's, there's a few stories like Russell says, a few stories that you've told that I'm like, okay, like I've, I've heard this story a thousand times and, and I used to be a musician and. Oh, cool. Me too. And yeah, I, I love, I love, by the way, whenever you do your guitar, you, you, you really like <laughs> I'm not amazing on that instrument yet, but thank you. <laughs> um, so, so when I was a musician, I, I stopped and I was like, man, like I actually, whenever I go to concerts, you know, and I watch, you know, some of my favorite bands, like sing that beloved song that, you know, the crowd just like bleeds and cries over, but like, and I just watch them and I'm just like, are you really loving this? Or are you yeah. like, if I have to sing, you know, as Dan Reynolds, like if I have to sing radioactive, one more One time, more time. <laughs> I'm going to lose it. You know? I am still radioactive. <laughs> exactly. And, but I was like, you know, it's the same for marketers. Like it's, especially if you decide to be a personality, like yeah. you are, your, your stories are your songs and, yeah. and you just, you have to perform them, you know, like Makes the people sense. in the it audience, is. like they demand that they are performed. And, and that was like a big like transition for me of like, you know, if I decide to like really step into being an influencer. Like I can't get tired of my story of, you know, right. quitting my PhD to start a business, you know, like I just, it, it, it has to be a part of like my DNA and my, my hit album, you know? Right. Totally. It makes complete sense. Yeah. I didn't know that for a while too. And I would mistake it as something's wrong with the message. Oh my gosh, we got to tweak it. 
something's wrong. Let's go back to the sales letter. And the reality was I was just having apprehension saying it again, you know, and uh, I totally get it. Oh, that's so, so interesting. I love this. Okay. Well, we have, we have used up some great time. I have a few more questions if you have, if you have a minute. Yeah. Um, Okay. Was there anything, um, I mean, this is going to seem, it'll probably seem obvious since, since you have the pattern of like building and burning and building and burning the BB method. We'll call that the yeah, method. Yeah, yeah. That, should, that should be the book. What was something that you tried this year that like, it was a very calculated try, but just absolutely tanked. Yeah, I know exactly. Yep. Without even a hesitation, I know exactly what you're talking. Uh, there was a, I built a six month plus campaign. It had, um, I, I, it didn't tank. Hmm, maybe I should switch examples then. <laughs> you can you can even create your own definition of tank. Yeah, it didn't do nearly as well as I thought it was going to. Overall, it still did seventy grand, but which I know still seems like, but only ten thousand of that came from the actual thing that we wanted, and I was like, this is interesting, huh? And it was one of the things that made me back down and go, wait a second burn it all. What did we just learn? <laughs> and uh, it was, it was a product called create your core offer and misnamed to the nines. Didn't even think about it till after it happened. Misnamed, mispositioned. Pitch was okay, but to a group of people that this, everything was wrong. The situation was wrong, everything wrong on it. But I had, I had create the summit, your final offer. It was the thing I sold on the back of it. Everyone can talk about the summit, your final offer. Almost no one knows what was sold on the back of it. That's a big mistake. <laughs> so, which is a big shame because it still is like uh, that, that thing. I just misnamed it. Hmm. The positioning was not right. And I felt it as I was pitching it in the middle of it at the end of a six month campaign. And I just, in my gut was just like, oh crap. It's a really good product. <laughs> and uh, because the messaging was wrong, it didn't sell well. And so my response to that has been to shut it down and um, still put it out there because I still think it's what people need, but I'm just gonna put a different wrapper on it because I, I swear if people just got that info right there, you know, it's one of the middle of the value ladder things that I wanted to go put out there. If they just got that right there, it would be very advantageous for the funnel end. Um, but, you know, even Russell and I have failures as we go launch stuff together. There was another one I was thinking about um, uh, and, and, and failure, you know, to Russell is, hey, we didn't do a million dollars in three seconds. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it just seemed like it's pooping out another two comical award every three weeks. And I was like, oh my gosh, man. So uh, um, there was another one though this year that didn't do very well. And I thought it would. Everyone wants to pick my brain. And I was like, come hang out with me for two days. We'll work on whatever you want to for a couple grand, you know, and I'll do it in a small group of like 20 people and like three people bought it. And I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> All right. So it's because there was no positioning. I didn't do my own frameworks on that thing. It was, there's been two times this year that I did not do my own process to the funnel before we launched them. And those were the two. Oh, fascinating. Very fascinating, right? I was like, this thing has become so strong now that if we ever get away from the model, it doesn't work. When we actually do the model, whether or not you have a list, when I do the model on my clients, like Offer Lab teaches these models. That's what it is. And there's usually a bit of internal growing up someone has to go through if they've never done this before, but 
usually, usually no income claim here, but usually it's over a five figure launch on their very first one ever. Even if they have no list, no following, never done before, brand new on the internet. Um, and uh, if they are, then usually they're in the sixes, right? Then some have gone to the seven, like the model works, but the two times that I haven't followed it were the two times it sucked. <laughs> That is seriously so interesting. Yeah. And, I actually, and I actually was going to ask you about like, because a lot of people come to me wanting their course or their coaching to be um, evergreened, like, like we've talked about, right? Where it's just right. like, you're spending, you know, a couple hundred, a couple thousand dollars a day and you're getting so, so much back. But do you recommend, like, even if you're starting to like, like evergreen should be later, like you should be launching, like, even if you don't have a list, like you should lead with launches. Is that Always. your philosophy? Yeah, in my opinion, it's because the style of revenue that comes in, just like you said, launching brings so much money with it. And then you go evergreen and it's usually half to a fourth maybe of the performance of the launch. And um, so what I was always taught actually by Russell was, he said, if you, when you're launching and your numbers, if you look at your numbers, when the launch is over, and you just are kind of continuing to do little mini things to just kind of keep the sales coming in. If you can't chop all the performance in half and still be making a dollar in and two out, you're not ready to evergreen. I was like, that makes sense. He's mm -hmm. like, you got to have that so dialed in. And it's because of what you just said. You, you turn on evergreen ads and evergreen stuff and um, average cart value is going to cut in half. Sure enough, does pretty much every time. Cost per acquisition will double, you know. Um, and if you can't get those two to work happily with buffer, in the middle of launching, you are not at all ready to evergreen. And um, that's, that's, that's very much, yeah, that's very true. I love that. That's, that's awesome philosophy. Um, okay. So my, what, this will be one of my last questions. And then, I mean, I could talk to you for a long, long time, but I need to respect <laughs> your time. Um, is if you could go back and give yourself advice towards the beginning of your journey, based on what you know now and, and the journey that you've been through and the years that you've been through creating the frameworks that you've created, what, what would that advice be? Um, from a business perspective? I don't know, because I don't think any of my journey has been wrong. It's all been right, even the bad parts. So, because it's all about growth, you know? It really is you against you, you against yesterday, and that, that's it. It's like... Um, so the times that have felt like I really didn't stop much during Christmas break. And it's, there's two reasons for that. One, I just like what I do. <laughs> it's just fun. The second though, is I just have a hard time stopping. I don't really know how to do it. I never really had much of an example of how to do that. And so I just work and, but my work is so fun. It doesn't feel like work, but on the outside, people be like, oh my gosh, take a break, you know? But there's another thing that'd be happening where you're working because you don't want to look in, right? And I would, the piece of, I don't know, I would tell myself to always make sure I'm associating with, if I want to be an entrepreneur, people are actually entrepreneurs. Every time I leave hanging out with Russell at his house, I always message like 15 people saying, I am elevated. Like <laughs> the horizon came up. It worked again every time. I hope he's getting the same from me as I am from him because he just expanded my, exploded my vision again. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what's possible. Just lifts and pulls me so much further that I didn't even know was there. Um, so I would tell myself, 
hunt that at all costs. It's one of the reasons I shell out so much for, for mentors. Um, cause it will go faster than books. It goes, it, it's amazing, amazing what that does. Um, so the reason I still buy masterminds all the time. Um, so I would tell myself, get into masterminds as quickly as humanly possible. I also would tell myself, um, to learn to meditate earlier because that opened the world. I was not, I didn't know it was there. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially I would imagine for someone whose brain is as active as, as you are, like sometimes you have to like clear the clutter to like be able to see the gold, see the thread that's like, that's weaving through, through that clutter. I know I have that. I know I have that issue. My brain is, it's why I woke up in the middle of the night with like, that's what I need to ask Steve, <laughs> you know? Totally get it. And the exact same, probably talking to, to, to my echo like that. Cause that, that makes total sense. I, um, uh, meditation for me has not been about controlling my head. I've learned that that's pretty futile. <laughs> it has instead been about me learning how to guide it. Mm. And so there's, it's basically done the equivalent of build a faucet on my creativity. I can turn it on, I can turn it off. And it's been the first time I can actually go to sleep and go to sleep versus just constant running. And it's like, oh, what if we just build a little spigot there? Mm. Instead of, and that, that's been one of the major beauties of it. So the first benefit for me of meditation has been very much the clearing of the mind, like you mentioned. And that's, that's kind of, and I can't speak to all meditation. This is just my experience, but it has been that really for me, that was like stage one. Can you just think about nothing? Like that's hard for some of us, you know, it sounds like for you too. It's like, that's hard. The second though, and this is the piece that I was, I'm really referring to. I had no idea the power of meditating on a question. It's ridiculous. It's one of my most strong pattern finders. And um, the trick is slowing down long enough to hear it. And that, that for me has been really interesting. It's one of the reasons why I will write a question on, I have a questions whiteboard and I will write down whatever I'm trying to figure out. And uh, if it's a real deep question that I can tell is gonna be a bit of a journey, like the last framework that I just pulled out, I was like, if I can solve this, it's going to have a lot of people and it has, and it's awesome. It's new. It's like a three month old framework. <laughs> it's a baby still, but it's working. Um, but when I know it's that big, I'll write it on a piece of paper on the top of my floor on my room. Um, and then I'll also write it on a whiteboard. And there's a few things that I do to start pulling out the answer. And one of them is meditate itself. The other though, is I do kind of just expect that there's just gonna be answers that start that's just gonna be given to me. And so I'll write those down. And then really the other is hunting and I love the hunt. And I will hunt, 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 hunt. And I, I in fact, I get addicted to the hunt beyond what's necessary. Um, Cause I just like thoughts and ideas so much. So. Uh, I will get addicted to the hunt way, way beyond what is actually meant to solve the problem. Um, because I'll just keep pulling in this example, in this example, this example. Okay, I have beaten this principle to death now because I'm just constantly, oh, there's another one, there's another one, there's another one. And uh, that's, that's super, super fun. I love that part of it. But I have several meditation tools that I use to do that. Um, I solve a lot more by walking and pacing around in here than, than, than by reading almost. Um, so, yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, Steve, I'm sure that three years ago, you would be, would be thanking you. And, and I love how you also are like, the whole journey is important. You know, it's, it's not about 
there, there being pieces that you would avoid, you know, everything was about learning. And, and I think yeah. that's such a healthy, healthy mindset. And it's important because I, I've know from my experience, it's those moments that are the tough ones. I, I have your, your voice in my head constantly when it's like, whenever I'm financially pinched, whenever I'm financially pinched, I always have your voice being in like, that is the extremity that will bring the creativity. You need to crush it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome yeah. that. Like, yeah. Few people. Okay. One little thing. Here it comes. Sarah, you all right with that? Bring it. Okay. I brought my little girls to a trampoline park yesterday. It was so fun. We're listening to, I totally indoctrinate them. Of course I do. I was, <laughs> so I play rich dad, poor dad in the car sometimes while we're driving around and I will pause it to quiz them on it. And I could tell they were kind of checking out. And uh, as we pulled up to, you know, like, oh, we can't wait for the trampolines. And I was like, hey, I can't wait too. It's going to be awesome. So I'm a little kid at heart. I always will be. Of course, I jumped on the trampolines. I was like the biggest kid there. Why do adults stand on the side? I don't, that's how you die early. Anyway, new topic, backing up. Here we go. <laughs> so, uh, so we're pulling up to this trampoline park. And we're listening to this exact spot in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, where he's saying, Rich Dad is teaching young Robert Kiyosaki, there are people in this life who, when problems come to them, they just shut down. They shut down. They'll never learn how to fight back. There are those who learn to fight back, but the way they learn to fight back is by fighting back against loved ones. They fight back against God. They fight back against whatever's going on. And they don't realize that it's just life trying to teach them something. And because they don't understand that last little piece that it's just life just trying to teach you something and they don't stay in a state of receivability all the time, it, they have a really intense life. And I, I, I did not want to go in this trampoline park until they got that. So, so we, uh, <laughs> I swear, I, oh man, anyway. Okay. So we so sat, excited for what's about to come out. Of we <laughs> sat in the parking lot of this trampoline park right next to it. And they're like looking at it. And I was like, what did they just say? What did he just say? This is really important. And they'd be like, um, looking over the trampoline park, be nice. And I was like, nope, let's rewind. And we listened to that minute and 15 second segment again. So we were listening to it again and again and again. And basically what I started doing to him, I was like, now what, what did they say this time? And they still be looking over the trampoline park and they'd be like, well, uh, you should learn to make money. And I was like, that's not what he said. We went back, we listened to it seven times and I would not let us go in until they got that because the very thing you just said is, is it's life. God's not throwing his thumb on you saying, I don't like you and disprove of you child of mine. Uh, he's not going to do that, right? Uh, that's not the business is against you. The world, the world's not against you. It's just life trying to teach you a lesson. We're all babies here. We're trying to learn stuff, all right? And um, so that exact same thing is exactly what I was trying to push into him. So anyway, full side right there. <laughs> that's super fun. I love it. I love it. Did they get it? Yeah, eventually, after I said it to them, and then they couldn't say it back. So we stayed there and we did it again until they could, <laughs> because I was like, guys, you have to get this. I, I said, it. I will teach you about God, gunpowder, and capitalism. Like, I got to teach you this. <laughs> God, gunpowder, and capitalism. That's amazing. I love that lesson. And I, I think that uh, I, I, it's one of my firm beliefs that, um, that so many of the struggles that we have in are a nature of just that we are, we are in a fallen world that stuff just happens. And the second is stuff. that we, we create it. 
right? It goes back to that extreme ownership principle is that like, whether we do it intentionally or we mean to or not, we create our circumstances. Totally. And Just all doing, yeah. So we have to, have to, have to learn from those. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Steve, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the Marketing Matrix today. Uh, I count you one of my one of my good friends and dear mentors, and it just means so much that you would be willing to share what's working, what's not working. That's what we're all about on the Marketing Matrix and, and diving deep into marketing. And so thank you so much for just bringing the heat, opening the kimono and digging in. <laughs> today. Lots of fun. Appreciate it. It's been all great. Right. Okay. Well, until next time again, this is Steve Larson. Steve, do you want to say any, anything about like where people can follow you? Uh, find you. I know you just launched a new podcast, which is super fire. So you guys, if you're listening to this podcast, you'll love his podcast if you're not listening to it already. So if you want to take a second to tell where people can find yeah, you, yeah, you're no. more than welcome to. Uh, we, uh, we call it Launch for Profit. That's the name of the show. And uh, it's basically stories of rich, dead marketers and how do they make money so that we can take the patterns and use them today. It's pretty much what the premise of the show is. It's a lot of fun. Um, and then you know, we shut down so much stuff. It's like, where Honestly, can people find me? <laughs> yeah, right. It's like capitalismswag.com is the best. Capitalismswag.com. Funny enough, because we just don't have that many other things that we've left up. Um, and so when someone has this shirt, I'm like, oh, my people, that's my tribe. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, yeah, right there. I love it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I love it. All right, guys. Well, make sure to follow Steve, uh, follow his movement. He is a brilliant, brilliant man and an amazing marketer, and he's doing so much good in the world. So again, Steve, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And uh, guys, stay tuned for our next episode. Thank you. I'm so happy you listened to the Marketing Matrix podcast today. I know hearing from this marketing genius, Steve Larson, has already helped you in your business. Who else do you know that this would help? Go ahead and forward this episode to them. In our next episode, I cannot wait for you to hear from yet another powerhouse, Liz Benny, the queen of Kapow herself. So be sure to tune in. All right, guys, you are invited to join the marketing conversations. I mean, the podcast is great, but come talk about it in my free Facebook group called Facebook Ads for Coaches, Course Creators, and Lifestyle Ecom Brands. To hop in with others trying to master the ad game and scale their business, go to www.facebook.com slash group slash fbadninja. All right, guys, thanks so much for being here. I can't wait for you to hear our next episode. So I'll see you then.